So here we go. You guys ready? No. Let's go. Let's go. You want to answer the first one? Did you have one? When is the due date for the baby? <laughs> September 28th. Let's go. Next month. It's August 1st. No way. Next month, I'm, ha- I'm not having a baby. Next month, Amanda is having a baby. Next month, we're having a baby, okay? I'm in this too. I'm a part of this. Without me. Anyways. Um, <laughs> September 28th is our due date for our baby. We're so excited to meet our little girl. All right, here we go. Let's answer this one first. Cool. Here we go. How do I stay rooted in God's plan for me when all my friends are taking a different path than me? It's a great question. How do I stay rooted in God's plan for me when all my friends are taking a different path than me? Um, this actually, this question, I feel like it's a little close to home for me because I feel like Sophomore year, freshman or sophomore year, I remember I had this, like, three group, well, this group of friends, there was, like, three of us, and elementary, middle school, like, we were, like, best friends all throughout, and then all of a sudden, it seemed like we got into high school, and I was like, okay, I don't really know if I know who these people are anymore, all of a sudden, they're, like, they were still my friends, but they were just doing stuff that I didn't really want to participate in, and it constantly felt like that, like, battle of, like, okay, so do I just, like, because I want I don't want to not have any friends, so do I just hang out with them and do these things? Anyways, and I remember getting to the point where they were still in my life and I still talked to them, but I remember having a moment where I was like, I think I'm going to have to just choose to be kind of lonely for a season of time because I don't want to sacrifice. I I was in many moments, like, so close. Even now I look back and I'm like, how did, like, how did I not, make a really horrible decision in that moment or how like and it was totally the protection of the Lord but getting to a moment of like I'm going to just be probably a little lonely for a season but yet I don't want to sacrifice who I know the Lord's called me to be and so that's what it was for me for a little while like I didn't have a ton of super close friends I had friends but it wasn't like that group that I had middle school and all beyond So how do I stay rooted in God's plan for me? I think sometimes it means making hard decisions. Um, It may mean you're like a little lonely for a season of time. It may mean like the people in a life group that you haven't connected with, like you'd go the extra mile to really try to connect with them because you want those meaningful relationships. Um, But I think a lot of it comes back to making the hard decisions because it's easier to just probably stay friends and sacrifice the things that you know you don't want to participate in. It's really good. Uh, loneliness, that's a, that's a big thing. Like, why would I choose loneliness? I, I think some, some people could respond to her answer and say, well, I, I don't want to be lonely. And I, I would just ask you the question, like, is, is loneliness worth your relationship with God? Like, are you willing to be lonely to keep your relationship with God? Are you willing to be lonely for a season so that you can learn how to be comforted by God so that no matter the next season or the season after that when friendships are hard, you know how to trust God, you know how to rely on God because you did it in that season where you were lonely. And, and, I, and I, would, I would say this, 
so if any any of you are in this place of like, man, I'm friends with these, I'm friends with I'm friends with this person, but they're just making some decisions that I wouldn't make, and and I'm starting to feel this tension of being a Christian or making the decisions they're making. I feel like it's different. I, I would I would encourage you with this. Um, when you are dealing with that person, when you are relating that person, have the confidence, and this is a growth thing. You got to learn to have this confidence, but have the confidence to know what you stand for. Have the confidence in your relationship with God, but also on the other end, have the humility to still love them anyway. Do you see that? Like, I, I need to be confident in my relationship with God enough that I'm willing to just like, you're gonna do that, I'm not going to. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just give in to what you're doing because I wanna stay friends and I feel lonely. I'm, I'm confident enough in my relationship with God that I'm gonna stay over here, but I'm, I'm humble enough to say, even though you're making wrong decisions, I'm not gonna just point those out and just, I mean, if I have that relationship with you, I think there's a place for that, but, but saying like, I can still love you through this. I, can, I don't just have to like kick you out of my life because you're not a Christian. I, I don't have to kick you out of my life because you're just making the wrong decisions. I can choose to love you, yet have the confidence in my convictions of this is how I'm going to choose to live, regardless of how anybody else lives. But that has to happen on the inside. That has to happen, and you will feel lonely. You will feel like you're losing friends, but, but to be honest, I think that's part of the process. You will lose friends in your life, and it teaches you something about what's more important to you, and, and that's okay. It's okay to lose some friendships. Um, you just have to really get down to like the very base, the very foundation of like what's What's important? What's my priority? Is it this or is it this? And making sure that your relationship with God is at the top of that list. So it really, I think, is a, a confidence that you need to have um, in your relationship with God. So, okay, next question. That one? That bottom one? Okay. As a Christian, oh, I need, as a Christian, how bad is cussing? Gotcha, okay. I thought it was, as a Christian, can I cuss? Um. Yeah, as a Christian, how bad is cussing? Okay, uh, do you have any? You, you want to start? Do you want me to start? How bad is cussing? I think that's a really interesting question because um, th- this is this is this is how I'd start. If if you're a, if you're at a place where you're like, what can I do and still be a Christian? You know, how far can I go and still be a Christian? Uh, I, I think that's a place where you need to check your heart and. Like how, how bad is cussing? Um, because it really is about the heart. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to paint a picture, and you can step in if I. Um, I think a lot of people that have been around church or know anything about church or have grown up in church or know anything about the Christian faith think like, well, if I cuss, I'm not going to heaven. You may not say that out loud with your mouth, but like it, I think we've created this world where like Christians don't cuss non-Christians cuss, and that's just like how the world works, and I, I would, I would encourage, I would encourage you that it's, it's in, in everything, it's all about your heart, so this is where I'm going to start, and then I'm going to get to the actual cussing part, you with me, it's all about your heart, so I say that to say, because I think somebody can cuss, and still have a relationship with God, Okay, so I'm not like it doesn't say like salvation is what gets you to heaven. So it doesn't say in the salvation part of scripture where it says it says confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, essentially, that he is God and that he was he actually died and rose again. That's what it takes to be saved. It doesn't say in there and don't cuss. That's the key to salvation. The key to salvation is to believe in Jesus and not cuss. It literally, no, it doesn't say that, okay? So it doesn't say that. It's about, it's really about your heart. Now, I will say this. 
if you're in a place where you are like, where you maybe slip up and you cuss every once in a while, or maybe it's a part of your just normal language, I would, I would, I would ask you this. Um, what is the point for you? So, so hear me, please. I, I don't think you're a bad person if you cuss. I don't think God loves you less. I don't think you're a better Christian, but it does. Scripture says that what comes out of your mouth comes from your heart. And so what comes out of your mouth is really important to keep an eye on because it shows you what your heart looks like. And so if you're just like, like, just like, just super flippant with your words and just cuss, like, what is the point for you? Take a step back and ask, what's the point? Because what, what I want to do with my life, and if you really love Jesus and want to follow Jesus, you should want to do everything unto God, okay? Everything you do, you should want to glorify God with it. And so the question I would ask instead of, is cussing bad, is cussing wrong? Because really that's more of a question of the heart is more so, are you, do you have a desire to glorify God? And do you have a desire to glorify God with your mouth? Because if that's the case, I think it'll change the way you speak. Because if I'm just flippant with my words, if I'm just, I'm just cussing here, cussing there, and I don't really have a point other than like, because I think a lot of people cuss because they want to feel like they fit in somewhere. I think a lot of people cuss because it's the language they see on social media. I think a lot of people cuss because people that they, that they've, uh, that they have high esteem for, or they, they maybe want to be, or I, I like that person, say they do it, and so I'm going to do it. So what really is the point when you come down to it? And so that's the question I would ask is like, man, I want to glorify God with everything. And so uh, in a moment, like, man, I, I want to be so, so, like, I want to have such a desire to glorify God that if I said something in a moment and God convicted me of it, I would repent and say like, like, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't need to say that. So uh, where is your heart at? Like, what's the point for you? Like, if you are someone that maybe um, is a frequent cusser or you know somebody, I think the question more so is, what's the, what's the point? Is there, is there a point? Um, and because I believe there's more to it than you think. And I, I would say for you, go to God and ask, God, what, what is it? Why, why is it that I want to speak these words? What's the point for it? And God, I, 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 I want to say I'm sorry because I really want to glorify you with everything that I do. Um, so is cussing bad, is cussing wrong? It's really not the question. Um, though, uh, do you want to chime in here? Like how we, how we go about it? Sure. <clears throat> I mean, I was reminded of in Ephesians 4, it says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Yeah. So I think that's one of the, that right there is probably like when we talk about this, like what it comes back to, like, is it going to be good and helpful for either a person, a situation, or whatever it may be, if I'm going to use one of those words, is it going to be good or helpful? Most of the time, or I would almost say probably all the time, no. And this is so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And I think that's honestly what it comes back to and really sums up what you're saying. Like, is this going to be good and helpful, and is it going to encourage the people that are about to hear the words that come from my lips? And, and this, thing, this, this, this too, because a lot of the world would say, like, it doesn't matter what you say, like, who cares? And so that's why a lot of people who don't follow Jesus, who aren't Christian, their, their language is a little bit more foul. And I would just say, like, man, I want to I wanna look different. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a Christian. I should look a little different. And so if, 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 if my language, if what comes out of my mouth just looks the same as everybody else, like, like am, I, am I really being transformed by Jesus? 
Because I, I should look different in every regard with what I do and with what I say. And then I'll, I'll give you this, this piece of scripture and then we'll move on to the next question. Um, Paul says, I count it all as loss uh, in comparison to knowing Jesus. So he's talking about all these things he's really good at. He's like, he knew, he knew things better than, like he was like, he had a lot of reasons to be arrogant. Let's say that. Paul had a lot of reasons to be like, like he was like the top dog. Yet he says, I count it all as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. So essentially, like, I could have all the success in the world, but that means nothing to me because I want to know God. And that word loss means dung or, like, crap, but really what it is is, is like a cuss word. So I'll say that, like, I think he glorified God in that moment, and so I think it really is about your heart. Um, and so it's, it's really less a question, is it wrong, is it bad, and does this, is this glorifying God? And I think for the most part, when it comes to cussing, it doesn't glorify God because the context for a lot of those words are not God glorifying. And so I would, I would, where's my heart at? Because I want to please God and I want to glorify God with my words. So that's what I would say. Somebody asked, uh, how do you help change your heart to be better or can you? That's a great question. Thoughts? You cannot, on your own, change your own heart. Would be the first thing I would say. Um, but I mean, I'm sensing from your question, it's like the desire to be different, to be more like Jesus. I want my heart to change. How do I do that? And I think it can be easy to want those things and do things on your own accord to try to like fix what's going on inside of you. But all that ends up doing is fixing like outward behavioral things. And so how do you help change your heart to be better or can you? Jesus absolutely can change your heart. And I think the simplest answer would be continually to grow your relationship with him. Because when you are having a real authentic relationship with Jesus, I don't know how you can't change. Yeah. I don't know how you can have a real growing authentic relationship with Jesus and not be constantly transformed by him and his word and who he is. Yeah, that's really good. Um how did we get such amazing pastors? Oh my God, stop it. Stop, 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 please. No, stop. Um, <laughs> uh, how do you have a God-centered relationship? It's a great question. Uh, it's really broad. Uh, how do you have a God-centered relationship? But I think that's a lot of times like where we're at. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. Um, and so I would encourage you with this. Um, again, everything you do should glorify God and point to Jesus. And so like, do your words glorify God? Does your the way you relate with your mom glorify God? <laughs> Does the way you text glorify God? Does the way you text please God? Would you be okay with God if he was like in the room and you could actually see him and you were doing whatever you're doing? If you were texting what you were texting, if you were watching what you were watching, if you were talking the way this person you were talking to. Because I think the reality is we forget that God sees everything and God knows everything about our heart. And he knows everything what we think. And so I, I, would, I, would, um, I would just encourage you how to have a God-centered relationship. Everything in our life is about God. <laughs> everything that we have is because of God. And so I would just encourage you. That doesn't mean you have like no fun because I, I like having a relationship with God and like having a God-centered relationship, I mean, it just, it, it, it's a ton of fun. I don't know how people, I don't know how people live without God because honestly, if that was the case, I would be, uh, I would be, um, I would be, 
I'd be a mess. Yeah, I'd be a complete disaster. Uh, I'd be a disaster. I'd be a mess. I would be sad all the time. Like there really, there really is like there's no hope without God. And so, I honestly, it breaks my heart when people think that they can find what they're looking for in something other than God. And um, because, and it's not like oh, like look at you. I know better than you. No, it like breaks my heart because of how convinced I am of who God is and that he's real and that I can have hope when times are hard and I can have hope in times of loss and I can have hope in times of pain and loneliness and so all that stuff. Uh, and uh, yeah, next question. Okay, I, I want to answer this question. We're good? We're good? How do you have a celibate relationship? Uh, if you don't know what celibate means, it's the absence of sex. Um, when even Christian relationship experts agree that sex is a major part of healthy relationships. This is a great question, and um, I have um, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, and I'll, I'll start with what the world says about sex and what the world thinks about sex. Um, the world, it's a, it's an interesting thing, and, and it's mostly because I grew up in the church, and so I've, 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 I've been taught to see it one way, and, and then I've, and then I've actually experienced the hardship of, of it. So it's not just like I've been like indoctrinated and brainwashed to believe something, and I just haven't questioned it. No, I've actually really had to walk it through. When you're in a relationship, and you have the, you have a desire to be in a relationship, not just. Uh, in conversation and emotionally, but physically, it becomes very hard when you believe that sex is for the context of marriage. And so I, I, I would say this because the world just like, well, how, how am I gonna, how am I, why would I get married to somebody that I haven't had sex with? Because how, how am I gonna know if it's any good? Uh, it's what a lot of people think. I know it's funny. I think it, I think it's honestly hilarious. Um, and you think it's funny for a different reason than I do, but uh, I, I think it's I think it's really interesting because that's really how the world thinks. And 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 I know for some of you, maybe you've never had this conversation, you haven't talked about this, and that's that's okay. Sex is is a good thing that God created, and so we're not going to shy away from 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 questions like this. Um, but this is the answer. Yes, it is. It, it experts every expert in the world will say it's a part of a healthy relationship. Christians will say that it's a part of a healthy relationship, but you have to have a definition for what relationships is. And there is sex is for the context of marriage, period. Sex was not created. So if you think about it, this, okay, if God, if we, if we all, if we're all in agreement that God created the world, that means that God created everything in the world, right? So that means that God created sex. And so if God created sex, right, we don't, we don't take a Toyota car to a BMW factory and say, hey, what's wrong with my car? You know, Toyota's the best, right? No, you would take, you would take, you would take it to the right spot. You would take it to the person who knows it the best. You would take it to the person who's created. You, you, you tracking with me? You following with me? So when we talk about sex, why would we go to the world to learn what it is? Why would we go to pornography to learn what it is? Why would we just believe what the world says? It's like, you should try it out so you know what it's like before you get married. No, we should go to who created it to figure out what it's all about and what it is and where it's best and what it was created for. And that, when we see in scripture, it's created for the context of marriage and marriage only. Because the reality is sex outside of marriage will leave you more lonely, more empty, and, 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 and less satisfied. Why? Because you're doing something in a place that it wasn't created for. 
And man, if this is something that, that you've struggled with, if this is something that you're walking through, if this is something that maybe you don't agree with what I just said, can I tell you, man, may, may, may something stir up in you. May you look to where, like, if you really believe God, you have to, I mean, part of believing God is, okay, do I believe what he says? Do I believe what he says? Because what he says here is that sex is created for marriage. And, uh, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a scary thought because if that's the reality, sex outside of marriage, you're having sex with some, somebody else's wife, somebody else's husband. And, and that takes a part of you because when you get physical, when, when things are, when there's a, when there's a transaction physically, I, there's a, there's a part taken from you. That's, that's the reality because sex is a holy thing. Sex is a God thing. And, and yet the world's made it a God. (laughs) So I believe God and I believe what he says. And so I believe that script. I, I believe that sex is best for marriage. Not, not even best for marriage. I want to take that back. Sex is only for marriage. Sex outside of marriage is uh, going to leave you empty. Less satisfied and you're, 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 you're doing something that it wasn't created for. And so, um, and I'll say this one last thing. In our relationship, as we got closer, as we got engaged, um, the the physical part of our relationship began to get more difficult, and so the the temptation to to start heading that way of sex outside of marriage before we were married, before we were in covenant relationship, because marriage is not just a signed piece of paper. Do you get that? The world's called a signed piece of paper, but marriage started way before they were signing papers. Marriage is a covenant between you and God and this person, and. Uh, and so I'll, I'll say this from personal experience, struggling with that pre-marriage uh, and an engagement season, anything in that world that's, that's too far or is, is past a boundary line and into, uh, into sin <laughs> um, leaves you feeling shameful, but sex inside marriage leave, leaves you, com- I mean, there's zero shame. Zero shame because you're doing it in the right context of what God created it for. So that's the last thing I would say. And uh, that's, that's a really, it's a, it's, a, it's a hard thing. It's easier said than done. Um, and, and yet I'm so convinced that that scripture is true and what this says is true, what God says is true. And, that I, and I believe scripture says that sex is for the context of marriage, period. Cool. Uh, does reading the Bible every day make you a better Christian? Mm, no. <laughs> Maybe. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think what I get what you're asking, but I think the line that sometimes is hard is I think then this, if we were to say yes, which I mean, really, yes, it is going to make you a better Christian. But then you have to be careful of not just reading your Bible because you want to be a better Christian. Yeah. But that reading your Bible every day would grow your relationship with Jesus, which then, as your relationship with Jesus grows, your desire to be in the Word would grow. Um, so, yes, it is make you a better Christian. But I would challenge you even more so, like, okay, then if you go go home tonight, 
is your desire to read the Bible just because you want to appear as a better Christian or because you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus? Which one were you going to answer next? Is sending memes bad? Is sending memes bad? Um, depends on the content. Uh, depends on the depends. On, yeah, depends on the content. Uh, I love a good meme. Don't don't I mean don't get me wrong. I love a good meme. Um, do I love a meme that is inappropriate? Not really. Um, it uh, it just I I think for me like when I when I grow in my relationship with God what what I find, um, what I find fulfilling. And when I say fulfilling, like something that makes me laugh, uh, it changes. Um, and so is a meme setting bad? No, but, uh, um, check the content because the content, uh, will, what you consume, um, what you consume changes your heart, what you consume affects your heart. And so check the content. Um, but is, are memes bad altogether? No, I don't know. Dude, I'm gonna kill you. Stop, stop, stop airdropping me, dude. Um, okay, here we go. Um, where did they go? I don't know. What's a good way? To, what's a good? Can you keep moving it? What's a good way to start a Bible plan or read the Bible daily? Um, I would say this: um, a great place to start if you're like, man, I don't know how to read the Bible. A great place to start is the Gospels. The Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're the start of the New Testament. This is, uh, I would say, like in the in the in the in the scope of the Bible, it's really um, it's really on a level. It's on a different level because it's all about Jesus, and that's that's really what the Old Testament points to, and what everything in the New Testament points back to. And so, really, a great place to start would be the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, and read the Psalms. The Psalms are a great place, especially for our generation. Man, we are more anxious than ever. We are more stressed than ever. We are more depressed than ever. And uh, David, who writes most of the Psalms, talks a lot about that. He, he talks a lot about, he was depressed at times. He was sad at times. He was anxious at times. He was angry at God at times. And so I would read the Psalms. And then lastly, uh, on your list, uh, Proverbs. There's 31 of them, so you can read one a day, and it changes every month. It's so awesome. And so today is the first, so you can go home and read Proverbs 1. Um, I think that's a great tool. Uh, Proverbs is all about wisdom, so it's not 100% guarantee that what it says is going to happen, but it is about wisdom. Um, so, like, essentially, here's an example. Like, if you don't make a plan, you're probably going to fail. Like, that's, that's a proverb. Um, and that's most likely true. You should probably make a plan. <laughs> um, but then again, sometimes I don't make a plan and all thing works out. So, um, that's, uh, that's proverbs. Uh, is watching movies, uh, for example, Marvel movies, bad? Um, the overall answer, this is, this is a great question. I'm, tell, I'm telling you, because if you really love Jesus, everything that you take in, you should be asking, is this good for my heart? And if you were here last week, I'm going to put the sermon up on our podcast. You should go listen to it because I talked about guarding your heart. Because I think, I think here, here's an example. If I were to watch a Marvel movie and I'm, 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 I'm making sure that I'm staying connected to the Holy Spirit in me. So that's like the conviction when I know something's wrong, when I know something isn't good for me, right? If I'm staying connected to that, maybe a Marvel movie is bad for you. Okay? I, wouldn't, I wouldn't outright say like Marvel movies are bad for you because I think, I think 20 minutes later, if you had a heart change, if something different, like if I'm like, again, I talked about this last week, but if you're really anxious, I'm not going to go 
I'm not going to go read about anxiety. If I feel really sad, I'm not going to go listen to sad boy songs. If I'm, you know, you know, if I'm, you know, what, whatever, whatever it is. Right. And so if I'm like, if I'm like, if I'm like over the line attracted to one of the characters in, in Marvel, and that's why I'm watching it, I would check your heart maybe because maybe that's not healthy for you to keep watching stuff that just makes you want to sin. Do you, do you hear my heart? So I, I would, uh, I would say again, that's, a, that's a, a hard question to give you an outright answer because it really is about your heart. Uh, the name of our podcast is, uh, if you type in Living Water Youth, YTH, or YTH Change the World, you'll find it. It's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Ooh, let's do this one. Okay, I don't know how much more time we have. Okay, do you think modesty should be applied to both guys and girls? I feel like modesty is a lot of times aimed towards girls and guys. Uh, no, sorry. is a lot of times aimed towards girls and guys can just wear what they want. All right. This is a great question. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little preface. Hear me, hear me out, hear me out. This is, this is my preface before I get to this question. Um, there is a lot around this, and, and it really cannot be answered in one sentence. So, so please hear me. Um, somebody just text in, what's modesty? Um, modesty, uh, hey, don't, don't laugh. Don't laugh. We're all in different places. Uh, modesty is, um, I'm trying to give a world life example instead of just giving like a, a dictionary. Modesty is... Well, I'll give you a God answer and maybe a different answer. Uh, I think modesty uh, in the Christian sense of the word is knowing your worth. <laughs> Hear me, please. Women, guys, I don't care. Modesty, modesty, in my opinion, the definition of modesty is knowing your worth. For those of you who don't know what modesty is, it's, uh, it's the lack of clothing or the excess of clothing. Uh, modesty would be like, um, trying to think of the word, I'm not a dictionary. Um, do you know how you define modesty? Like a non-dictionary? I don't know, no, like a dictionary version. It's so hard to explain. Let's look up the dictionary, let's look up the dictionary. Uh, it's okay, we got it. Okay, I'll, I'll, paint the, I'll paint the world's picture. Here we go. Here we go. Modesty. Um, modesty is like, uh, and the way the person asked it is like a lot of times it's more towards girls than it is guys. Example. Um, uh, example, you're going swimming. A two-piece bikini for a girl would be like, ooh, yikes, you're not being very modest when a guy is wearing shorts and no shirt. Like a lot of people go that way, um, you know, or a Speedo or whatever, right? Um, and so, uh, so someone, so I'll paint the picture. For someone who's being really modest in the sense of the word, they would be wearing a turtleneck and pants to the pool, okay? 
that's very dramatic, okay? Very, very dramatic. Uh, in the sense of, of swimming, it'd be like a one-piece versus a two-piece. That would be more modest in the sense of the word that the world creates. So, um, but again, back to, back to the point, because we've had a lot of conversations about this because it is all over social media, purity culture, modesty, um, aimed more at, at girls. And the reality is our world and our society has sexualized girls more than guys. So yes, it is aimed more at girls. Now, should it be aimed at both? Yes, absolutely. Now, modesty, again, is everything is connected to your heart. Everything. Everything is connected to your heart. And the way I want to paint it, I mean, I'm going to paint it in the best way possible. Um, if you wear a two-piece swimsuit, it doesn't mean you're going to hell. If you wear a two-piece swimsuit, it doesn't mean you are a bad Christian. If you wear a two-piece swimsuit, it doesn't mean you are not modest and you should be just X'd out. That's not, that's not, the, right, that's not the right way to look at it. Um, but again, back, back to what I would really want, because I, I feel like you could get, uh, I'm probably not going to give you the answer you're looking for, and maybe you could add to it. Um, modesty really is, like, Okay, I, I want to post this. I want to post this picture of me in a very revealing swimsuit on Instagram. I want to post this picture of guys, my six-pack abs on Instagram. Um, I want to post a picture. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm painting. I'm painting the picture because this really is everywhere. Like, uh, you know, like guys, like guys working out. Like, look at like I don't know, the really short shorts or whatever it is. Um, there is this. Um, What's more important when it comes to those things is why are you doing it? I see, I see, I see so many people who are posting, both guys and girls, posting things that are not modest on Instagram, and and I think to myself, what is the motive here? What is the motive here? So people can like it and you can feel better about yourself. Is it is it you feel very insecure? Is it you want to be affirmed? Is it you want look at look at me? Like what is the motive? And so when I think of modesty, man, wh what value do you put on your body? Because God created your body, and again, this goes back to, this goes back to the sex question of like it was created for the context of marriage, and so that means your body was created for the context of marriage in that light. When because because we when we talk about modesty, we're in this world where it our bodies have been way over-sexualized. And so, um, so I, I, I would ask you a question back. Yeah, yes, modesty is a more girls in our society, but instead of just like just getting in line with society and the way they view everything, what is going on in your heart? Why do you want to wear that versus that? Why do you want to do this versus that? And making sure that your heart is in the right place where you know your worth and you're putting it on a high, 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 pedestal because your worth your worth is more than you could ever imagine and so why would I want to show the world why would I want to show the world everything like why would why do why do I want to do that what's what's in my heart that makes me want to do that that's that's the question of modesty that I would highlight versus um, guys can do whatever they want and girls can't um, yeah we're gonna get the time uh, I mean, ditto everything. Oh. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I was just gonna add on to that, like the 
we're all created with a desire to be wanted. Yeah. And so I, I want to like, I mean, like that's not a bad thing. So don't hear like, okay, because I want, you know, someone to be attracted to me or to get a like or whatever. Like that inherit, inherit, what's the word? Inherently? You know, you know what I'm trying to say. Um, is not a bad thing. But when it becomes a bad thing is when all of your worth, all of your joy, all of your hope, all of that is tied to what someone can give you. Because at the end of the day, like, the attention of your outward appearance is not going to last. Like, it's not going to satisfy. It's not going to make you a better person. And it's not going to do the things that you want it to do. It's just going to do a little temporary uh, high of I feel great about myself and then go away. And you're going to get old and wrinkly. So... That's coming one day. <laughs> okay, okay, we got, we got a couple more minutes, and I just want to rapid fire through these questions. These are great questions. And the, mo- the modesty one specifically, the sex one specifically, I, would, I, would really, I would really want you to hear my heart, and I can't give a full, complete everything I think or believe on it or everything that Scripture says about it in one sitting. It really is, what's the most important thing to you? Is it your relationship with God or not? Because if that is the case, then you will do everything, everything that you do, everything that you're a part of, everything that you, everything, period, will be centered around God, around pleasing God, around glorifying God. And so that's really the more important thing. Um, is it bad to be on your phone during church? Um, no, I, I check my phone every once in a while when I'm in church. Um, but uh, man, I want to be fed. I come to church to be filled up and to hear the word of God and to go home with something. And so if, if being on your phone distracts you, yeah, leave your phone in the car, leave your phone at home. Um, and leaving your phone at home gives you this ability to connect with people in this room like you wouldn't before. And you need relationships. You are, des- you, you are on your phone too much. That's a fact. If I think for all of us. <laughs> uh, and so I, I, would encur- I would encourage you, um, are you distracted? If so, then yeah, keep keep your phone keep your phone out of the way when you're when you're in church. Um, is songs that don't have a Christian artist singing is it is it bad even if it's great music? No, I I love me some Justin Bieber, with all of my heart. He is a Christian, but he, I mean, like he hasn't always been a Christian. I love him since middle school. Okay, uh, I love you know I love uh, I'm trying to think. I love Lainey. They are not not they are not all Christians. Um, I love Joan. I don't know if they're Christians. Um, I love, um, I think, I think Travis Scott is a creative genius and he is definitely not someone who's following God. I think, um, you know, fill in the blank. Uh, I think there's a, I think a uh, Boney Vare is not a Christian, but I think he's one of the most talented, uh, creative artists in the entire world, uh, point blank. Um, so no, but again, are you listening to it all the time? Like if I'm, if I'm being honest for me, I listen to worship music like 95% of the time because honestly I need it. <laughs> I need to be filled up with the Spirit of God. Most of the time, I'm anxious, and so why would I want to listen to music that makes me more anxious? I want something that fills me up with Scripture. I want something that fills me up with God. I want something that fills me up with the Spirit. And so I'm listening to worship music a lot. Um, but no, man, I lo- like I, I love music. I listen to music nonstop, and there's some great music out there that are not by Christian artists. But this is a cool, f- cool fact. Everybody's created in the image of God, and so their creativity is actually from God, and they just don't know it. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Um, Do you want to hit that at the end? 
As a Christian, is it wrong to be friends with people who are LGBTQ+. Uh, the answer is no. It is not, um, it's not wrong to be friends with them. Um, our world has painted this picture that um, uh, love equals agreement. And that's not true. I can love somebody who I don't agree with. I can love somebody who sees differently than me. And we live in a world where social media is so prevalent, we're like, I can't offend anybody. If I offend anybody, I'm canceled. For real. For real. If I, if I do any, literally like, oh my gosh. Literally like the Instagram policies or Facebook policies or I don't know, some of the like things that like if you do this, then they take your stuff off of social media is literally the criteria is offensive. <laughs> and it's like, it's, we live in this reality where it's like, I can't even have my own beliefs without being offensive. And it's like, how, where, did we, where did we lose that like, like me and Grace, like we could disagree completely on something. Yet we can still love each other. We can still be in relationship. We can still, we can still be around each other. Like our world is painted this picture where we, ju- we just can't even like, if, if you offend me, if I offend you, like we just can't be friends. We just can't be together. And that's just not true. Um, I, I will say though, um, the people you surround yourself with are the people you become. You become who you surround yourself with. And so when I say that, I can I cannot agree with someone and love them, um, but how much time am I spending with them versus how much time am I spending people who fill me up and who point me to Jesus and point me into my relationship with God? Because the, the people I surround myself with is who I'm gonna become. And so I wanna surround myself with people who love God, love Jesus. And, and, and yet, I can be friends with people who don't look like me. I can be friends with people who don't have the same belief system that I have. I can be friends with people who aren't Christians. And, and that's actually, that's the heart of the Father. Uh, the story, uh, if, you're taking, if you're taking any kind of notes or you have your phone, uh, Luke chapter 19, Zacchaeus? I think it's Luke chapter 19, the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a crazy sinner. And he's, he's defrauded, I mean, he's frauded people. He has so much money and he stole it all. Um, and Jesus says, I, I got to go to your house. I got to come to your house. And that's a big deal to go, to go into somebody's house in, at that time. And he goes in his, his house, and instead of saying, you're a sinner, you need to get right, you need to stop doing those things. No, he just spent time with him. He was just with him. He, he was just in his house having, having a meal. And his presence changed Zacchaeus. And something inside Zacchaeus changed. He said, I'm going to do better. I'm going to get right with God. I'm going to do different. I'm going to give all the money back four times as much as what I stole. Because Why? Because I think, I think something in how Jesus treated Zacchaeus, he treated him like a normal person when everybody else treated him like a sinner. He treated him like a normal, per- he treated him like a person, period. And I think that's what transforms Zacchaeus. And so I think, man, we need to be friends with people who don't look like us, don't love Jesus. But it's not about just pointing the finger and saying, scripture says this, and you just beat him over the head with it. No, it's about love. Uh, but love doesn't equal agreement, and, uh, and that's okay. So, um, do you have a Christian playlist on Spotify? No, but we're going to create a youth one because I think it's a great opportunity. I, I know that uh, you guys have a, maybe a hard time finding good worship music or want more worship music. And I have literally a playlist on my Apple that I'll transfer over to Spotify that is literally over 24 hours worth of uh, worship music. It's awesome. So, okay, let's, uh, let's stand to our feet. We're going to pray and we're going to head out of here. Oh, all right. 
Let's, let's, uh, hey, before, before I pray, I want to encourage you with this one last thing. Um, in September, we're going to launch something called Student Leadership. And, um, and this is something that I want to encourage. Um, I don't know which, uh, I, don't, I don't know all the details yet, but we will give them as they come. But I want to encourage you with this. There's a lot of questions in here that tonight that like, I don't feel like I could really fully transfer what I believe, what I see, what we think, our heart on the question, our heart on the topic fully. But uh, being a part of student leadership will give you more time with us in our home um, to be able to grow as leaders, grow as followers of Jesus. And so I want to get that in your head now because I believe that's the place where we're really going to be able to go deeper than we are able to uh, in this kind of setting and, and, and really be able to share our hearts and so that we can help you become a better disciple of Jesus. So that's coming in the fall. I'm really excited for it. And I hope that you would consider being a part. Um, do you want to pray? God, I thank you for um, just each and every person in this room. And as I think about the questions that were asked, just the vast difference of personalities and desires and hopes and dreams and just struggles and questions that are represented. But God, I thank you that um, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the questions, in the midst of trying to just figure out what it even means to follow Jesus, God, that you look at each and every one of us, and your love has not changed. God, I thank you that your love for us has not changed. Even if some of our questions were things that we're, we're struggling so badly with, God, your love for us has not changed. So God, I pray that um, we would continue to have questions. God, I pray that we would be people that would continue to wrestle through the hard things of how do I navigate this when everyone else is doing this, but I, but I know this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. God, I pray that we wouldn't stop um, asking questions. And God, I thank you for each and every person in this room. God, each and every um, individual life, God, that you desire to use for your glory. And so God, I pray as they wake up tomorrow morning, they'd be reminded that the Holy Spirit lives inside of them. And because of that, God, they have the ability to partner with you and be a reflection of who you are. In Jesus' name.